Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, April 10th, 2021. Do you remember back to the early days when products like smart TVs and smart DVD players began to go for sale? Right? I remember back in in those days, I kind of I think I even bought one of those DVD players without realizing all the features that it came with, right? I thought it was just there to play DVDs. But then you start to find out that or some of these smart TVs, it's not just to play DVDs. It's not just to have a TV you can hook into something. You, you can get the internet on this. You can get apps on this. There's all kinds of other features and things that you can do with this, right? Normally, you're just thinking about one function that this device has, and you start to realize, whoa, there's all kinds of features that I can benefit from. Well, We want to talk about salvation today. And one concern that I have and something that I think I used to not really understand were some of the full features really of salvation. That when God saves us from our sins, often there is really just kind of one feature that we think about. But when we really understand the scripture, we need to realize there's actually more that often we fail to think about and fail to take advantage of. And we're going to see that as we go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 today. Right? When we think about salvation, for most people, what is the main feature that comes to mind? And for many of us, and I don't think this is necessarily a wrong thing, that this is the first thing that comes to mind, it's forgiveness of sin. We are saved from the penalty of our sin, that we deserved the punishment and the wrath of God. But because Jesus died on the cross and took that punishment for us, we're forgiven for our sin. And now, instead of facing the judgment of God and eternity in hell, we will enjoy eternal life with him in heaven, right? That is, I mean, certainly a feature worth praising God for. That is amazing. And we gain that not by our own works, but by faith. It is a free gift. But when you think about that feature, you start asking questions kind of like Paul asks here in the beginning of Romans chapter six, right? We think, well, hey, I'm saved. It's a free gift. It's not by works. So then why do I then need to go and and do what is right? Um, If it's all forgiven and it's all free, why do I need to do that? And that's a a good question that Paul raises here in chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound, right? If grace reigns, like we talked about yesterday, well, if I just kind of keep sinning, doesn't that just mean more grace? Hallelujah, grace reigns. Well, he goes on to answer the question, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And now Paul is going to start talking about features of salvation that I think many people miss. Because yes, is a big part of salvation that Christ died so that we could be forgiven for our sins and not face the judgment of God? obviously, and praise God for that wonderful truth. But what we're going to see here in these next couple verses is not only did Christ die so that we could be forgiven for our sins, he rose again 
so that we could live a new and different life. Let's go on. In verse 3, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He's saying it's not just about the death of Christ on the cross for our sins. Obviously, that is critical and we can't have the gospel without it. But it's also that he rose again so that we could live a different life. And really, salvation, many people just think of that feature of forgiveness for the penalty of sin. But many people underlook the incredible feature of freedom from the power of sin. That is part of this gift we were given called salvation. It's not just freedom from the penalty of sin or forgiveness from the penalty of sin. It's also about freedom from the power of sin. And now that we are to live a new life, not because we earn our salvation by doing that, but because we've been given that new life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are not slaves to sin anymore. And obviously the slaves analogy is something he's going to really develop in our reading on Monday. But look now. Uh, down uh, at some of these later verses, uh, starting in verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. And really saying we've been crucified with Christ and that we've been raised with Christ. And we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's got to start with us thinking differently. As we start to think, no, I am free from sin. I am not a slave to sin. I am not trapped in that lifestyle anymore. I'm actually dead to sin and alive to God. And then we start to get into some commandments. Then in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. He's saying, hey, don't continue to sin, not because you need to, to, you know, to earn your salvation. That's not what it's about, but do it because you have been set free from sin. You have been brought from death to life. Now go live the life that God has raised you from the dead to live. And I love how verse 14 puts things here at the end of our reading for today. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace, right? I love how it's not for sin should have no dominion, for sin might not have any dominion. No, for sin will have no dominion over you. So are you realizing kind of the full features of your salvation? That it's not just about forgiveness for our sins and freedom from that penalty of sin, but it's we've been raised with Christ to live a new life. And that's part of the deal. And that's a good and amazing and gracious gift of God. Now, 
Does that mean that that's always easy, living that new life? No, and I think we're going to see some of that in the coming chapters in Romans. But we do need to start thinking this way that he describes in Romans 6, especially 12 through 14, to let not sin reign, therefore, in our mortal bodies, that sin will have no dominion over us, and to realize part of my salvation is that God has set me free from the power of sin because I have been raised with Christ to live a new life. Next, I want us to turn to Deuteronomy 31 and 32. And as we get to this passage, I want to point out one uh, brief kind of highlight and then ask some some maybe bigger questions about this passage. But you see at the beginning of chapter 31, clearly Moses, he is about to die and he's going to pass the baton to Joshua. And we're going to see some language that is kind of very famous in Joshua chapter one. We're going to see it doesn't start there as Moses is encouraging Joshua, really with the words from the Lord, look at what he says in Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. What encouraging words that Moses gives to Joshua. And that's where we need to be careful sometimes with scripture and how we take specific things that are said in specific situations and just start applying them to everyone. But in this, I do believe there is a lot that you and I should look at and say, well, that's how I need to think. Because even how it says there at the end, he will not leave you or forsake you. These words are quoted in Hebrews 13, really as a promise that should be claimed by every believer. So I think if you are a believer in Christ, you should be looking at Deuteronomy 31.6 and not just think, hey, that's what God is saying to Joshua. You should be thinking, that's what God is saying to me. And again, you're not about to lead the nation of Israel uh, to conquer the land of Canaan, but in what God has put in front of you, especially as we think about growing in Christ-likeness, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. What wonderful and precious words. Now, let's kind of get on to some bigger questions here as we think about Deuteronomy 31 and 32, because some of it is kind of depressing. We see God say some very serious things where he says that these people aren't going to be faithful. Just get a flavor of it. Chapter 31, verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. And then God goes on to describe the incredible wrath and the judgment that he will bring on the nation of Israel. And it does kind of beg a question of what's going on here? If God knows that this is all about to happen, why is he kind of, maybe from our human perspective, we start to ask, why is he letting this happen? Why is he giving all these speeches to kind of pump up the people when he knows they're not going to do it? He already knows how unfaithful they'll be. He knows that ultimately this land that they're going into, someday they're going to be exiled out of it. What's going on with that? And even as I wrestled with that question, I was really thankful for one of our other readings today, and that was Matthew 27, 27 through 44. And as we look at that passage, I think we start to maybe find some answers to that question, that yes, God knew that the people of Israel 
we're not going to be faithful in the land. And yes, he knew they were going to be you know, taken into exile, but he knew what else he was going to do. That God's ultimate plan for redemption was not leading the people into Canaan and they all lived happily ever after. No, God's ultimate plan for redemption and reconciliation was that from that nation would come a man, the Messiah. And here in Matthew 27, starting in verse 27, we we start to see the beginning of the crucifixion. That yes, God knew that the people of Israel were not going to be faithful, but God also knew that someday he was going to send his son and his son would die on the cross for the sins of the world. That ultimately God's plan of redemption was not just through an obedient nation. It was through an obedient and suffering Messiah. And may we praise God for that. As we look at Deuteronomy, we realize, no, God did know the problems of sinful man, but God's final solution wasn't judgment, right? The judgment that he prophesies in Deuteronomy 31 and 32 is not the end of the story. We know the end of the story is that Jesus will reign forever and ever. And he will basically have earned that because of what he did on the cross. So may we praise God ultimately for his plan of salvation, even as we read uh, kind of a difficult passage about God's knowledge of what was going to happen with the nation of Israel. Uh, Finally, we wrap up Psalm 44 today. And again, this has been an interesting Psalm. We've seen it kind of start off with with praise and then kind of take a turn towards uh, a real struggle. And then today we, we kind of end on a mixed note, right? He's, we're looking at Psalm 44, 17 through 26. And we see here, he talks about how all these bad things are happening, even when they are being faithful. And there's no kind of resolution, but we end really in verses 23 through 26 with a cry for help, calling out to God to wake up, to remember his people. Verse 26 says, rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And just a couple lessons we can learn from that is one, we we look at those first verses and I hope that we can pray in similar ways when we are going through hard times. I hope that we can honestly go to God and say, God, I'm holding on to you. God, I am trusting you, Lord. And that that would be something that we can hold on to, right? And, And something that we should be striving for, I would argue, in this life. But also we learn that lesson from those last verses of, again, just even when we don't see the answer, even though when it seems like, God, I'm being faithful, yet twenty verse 22, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, but we end it with prayer. And I love that last verse, rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of of your steadfast love, that we're appealing to God on the basis of his character to rise up and act for his name's sake. So hopefully we learned some things that'll help us in our own prayer lives there. But hopefully today we are reminded of the full features really of our salvation that we would use and take advantage and rejoice in all of those things. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.